But as far as you know, and I know, Easter has something to do with the resurrection. Our kids probably think it's Easter bunny and, and eggs. But this weekend, we celebrate Good Friday, where Jesus was crucified. Saturday, he was in the tomb. And Sunday, Christians all over the world, for the last 2,000 years, have been celebrating that this Jesus resurrected. And the Bible says that. Last, last week, we talked about it. 1 Corinthians 15 says he, he died according to the scriptures, he was buried according to the scriptures, and he resurrected according to the scriptures. And if we were honest, I think we, we, we have a very clear understanding of what happened on the cross. We know that Jesus took our sin. We know that Jesus absorbed God's punishment as a substitute. We know that he removed our shame. We know that he gifted us his righteousness. We have a pretty clear understanding of the cross of Jesus. But what I want to lean into this morning is this, this idea that I just, I'm going to just assume, because I've been talking to people, and I know, I've been a Christian for almost 15 years, I know for myself that we have less of an understanding of the resurrection. We have a familiar, clear understanding of the cross, but when it comes to the resurrection, here's my assumption, is that we think too small of the resurrection. Not too large of it, but too small of the resurrection. And so my goal today is to do nothing else than just lift your view of the resurrection of Jesus. Is that okay with you today? To lift your view of the resurrection of Jesus. Because here's, here's why. The Bible does not give us the room or the option to have small thoughts about Jesus' resurrection. The Bible doesn't give you the room or option to, to think less of or have a reduced and limited view of the resurrection. You're probably thinking, Chris, how can we have a limited view? Jesus rose from the grave. How is that small? Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I can't, oh, I just, I want to I get to the cliffhanger, but I'll save that. So the question I want to answer today, if, if, if our view of the resurrection is small, if maybe we have a limited view, if, if we need just some fresh angles and understanding the resurrection, then the question is really simple. What did Jesus really accomplish in his resurrection? It's really simple. I, I just want to present that before you today in a fresh angle. What did Jesus really accomplish in his resurrection? Because I want to present to you, it is something more than probably you realize. At the end of this message, I just want to increase your awe of Jesus and to clarify your purpose on this earth. Increase your awe of Jesus and clarify your purpose on this earth. 1 Corinthians 15, 7, if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Paul says this. This is why the Bible gives us no room for small thoughts about the resurrection. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still dead in your sins. Whoa! Does your view of the resurrection allow for that kind of understanding? That if Jesus did not raise from the grave, your faith is worthless. <laughs> worthless. And you're still dead in your sins. That means that everything Jesus accomplished on the cross, if he didn't resurrect, did not matter. Do you see that kind of view of the resurrection? That if Jesus did not raise, it did not matter, Paul says, what he did on the cross because God does not validate his sacrifice. If Jesus doesn't resurrect, Paul says, 
All that you believe in right now, think about your faith. All that you believe in, about God, about life, and about spirituality, and everything, heaven and hell, and all that. Paul says, if Jesus doesn't resurrect, that is futile. It's not just a, a secondary, peripheral, yeah, whatever, he resurrected. The resurrection is not just some kind of happy ending to Jesus' sad, cruel death. The resurrection isn't just some footnote at the bottom of the page of Jesus' story. The resurrection isn't just some one-off event that God did to show off that he can do powerful things. If we want a biblical view of the resurrection, we're going to have to have a bigger view of the resurrection. If we want a biblical view, and I know you, church family, you love Jesus, you love the scriptures. If you want a biblical view of the resurrection, we're going to have to expand our view to lean in because it's way more big, it's way more exciting, it's way more beautiful, and it's way more meaningful than what we imagine today. Another reason why this matters is maybe more on a personal level. And maybe you feel this this morning. You're coming to Easter. It's great. We're outside. You're excited to be with church family. But something inside of you feels like you're missing it. Something inside of you feels like I'm bored with Jesus in life. I'm stagnant. I don't know what my purpose is. I feel weary, exhausted. Come on. If you were honest with yourselves, I know because I've walked into many Sunday services feeling exactly that where I felt like I was just not connecting with Jesus kind of foggy on what my, the meaning of life was, foggy on, on purpose, just not feeling like it was there, bored with Jesus. How many of you would say, honestly, sometimes I feel bored, just bored. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not sure what life is all about. And if you feel that, I would say that is because you have a small view of the resurrection, small view of Jesus, which means you have a small view of yourself. You have a limited view of life. And you were created for more than just walking around on this earth, waiting to one day get up to heaven. The resurrection is more than just what you think. So, so what is it all about then? What, what, what view do we have that is so small? Chris, come on. You just blasted us. How can we have a small view? We believe that Jesus resurrected. What's small about that? Here's the view that I think many of us would hold. That Jesus resurrected, he conquered death, and so when I die, I'm going to resurrect and go to heaven. But raise your hand if you have that view. Because Jesus resurrected, you will resurrect and go to heaven one day. Now, before you say, wow, Chris, you're a heretic. You're going to say that's wrong? I'm not saying that's wrong. But we see the resurrection in that light. So simply, right? Jesus resurrected, and so we will resurrect and go to heaven one day. We see it almost like an admission ticket into paradise. We almost see it like, like a pass to get out of this cruel and evil world. Man, this world is dark. There's so much evil that happens so the resurrection is my way of finally getting out of this dark place and into a better place. Out of this evil world and into a place where there's no evil. Nothing wrong with that. That's beautiful. Praise God that he 
that he resurrected so we can resurrect. But our view is just limited to Jesus kind of beaming us up to heaven when we die later on in the future. We see it as a cheat code to defy death and to be with God forever. I mean, you're probably asking, what else can there be in the resurrection? That's what it means. That's what the Bible says. That's what what Jesus says in John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, raise your hand if you know this scripture, whoever believes in me, though he die, what? Shall live. You're going to live. That's what Jesus says. Chris, are you just crazy? No, I'm not crazy. This is a great and biblical view of the resurrection. But church family, lean in. It is limited. There's so much more. Someone say, so much more. So much more to the resurrection than just you getting to heaven later on. So much more than you just getting a pass to heaven when you die. Now, this is why we should be concerned about small views of the resurrection, and particularly this view of the resurrection. Because if you just think the resurrection is all about getting you to heaven when you die, you are going to have a limited view of this life right now. You caught that? If you think resurrection is all about me getting to heaven when I die in the future, you are going to care less about life right now on this earth. You know, it's funny. I've heard people say this, and and I've heard people say this from, from the pulpit, that this life is just practice for the real game. You ever heard that before? This life is just practice for the real thing. That's cute, and that makes a great tweet, but that's not biblical. That is not biblical, but see how you can care less about now when the resurrection is all about later. This life is just practice. A couple ways that it limits us in living this life now. I know, so funny, I said this for so often, why do we have to steward the earth right now when God's just going to burn it up and create a new one later? Come on. I remember saying this a couple years ago. Someone was telling me to recycle my Coca-Cola can, and I was defiant in the Lord and said, no, Jesus is going to burn this up one day. Why do I need to care about recycling? Don't hate me. I recycle now. But you see how a limited view of the resurrection Well, you think you're just going to heaven. You think life now is just a practice. So it doesn't really matter. The real game is later on. You think you don't have to care about this earth because God's going to burn it up one day and there's going to be a new one. Well, last time I checked, God created this world still. He still cares for this world. He called it good and it got torn apart, but he still cares for it. Not just stewarding the earth, but sometimes because of our limited view of the resurrection, we don't care about our bodies. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, I've been there. Why do I need to care about my health? And my, I got back problems. I'm, I'm old. Why do I need to care about my health and my back? I'm going to get a new body in heaven. And you know what that view, that limited view has caused me to do? To care less about my health now. Some of you care less about your health now because you're just banking on being healthier in heaven. And that's not okay. Oh, come on, Chris. Why does it matter? We got Krispy Kreme here. I can eat as much as I want. Now I'm going to get to heaven one day. And then I can eat all I want and have no calories. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. 
Stewarding the earth becomes not important. Caring for your body becomes not important. Maybe one more that will hit home. We can easily write off dealing with the injustices around us. Right? Because we think if God has a future judgment later, then we can be passive on any present engagement now. The logic flows out of this weird and limited view of resurrection by saying, if God's going to make all wrongs right later, why do I need to make wrongs right now? Can you see where that can hurt your engagement in this life right now? Why do I have to fix all the problems? Why do I have to care about abortion? Why do I have to care about racism? Why do I have to care about sex trafficking? Why do I have to care about all the horrible things happening now? Why do Christians have to do anything about that? God's going to make it all right. One day, everything will be fixed. And so we're hoping to that. And so much of our energy and hope is put into the future that it makes us passive in the present. Does your view of the resurrection and Jesus beaming you up to heaven later make you apathetic and passive in this life right now? Just take a little self-evaluation. Does, does your view of one day I'm going to get to heaven make it so you care a little bit less about what really happens on earth right now? Oh, it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. One day everything will be made right. So it's a little bit less urgency, a little bit less weight, a little bit less care, a little bit less focus. Because one day heaven will come. Maybe one last one. If, we, if it's just about going to heaven, we will tend to make conversion all that matters. Whoa, Chris, are you saying that, that salvation doesn't matter? No, no, no. But can you, can you track with the logic here that if the resurrection is simply about getting us to heaven one day, then we're going to care more about people's eternal destiny than their earthly discipleship. And they're not at odds. They go together. But some of us will care more about people checking a box, saying yes to a prayer, sitting in church, than actually loving Jesus right now. Can you see how your, your view of the resurrection changes and shapes how you live out your life now on this earth? And how it limits it and lessens the vibrancy of what happens now. Christian apathy finds its roots mainly in this dualistic and unbalanced view. Heaven and earth. This is bad, heaven's good. This is temporary, heaven's forever. So therefore, we care not about what happens here and care everything, care more about what happens later on. Is that what the resurrection is really all about? Jesus just giving you the permission to not care about now because everything will be made better later? No, church family. Friends, that is such a small view and Jesus wants you to have a bigger more precious view of his resurrection. So if the resurrection is not about just getting us to heaven, then what is it about? If the resurrection isn't just about one day because Jesus defeated death, we're going to de defeat death and go to heaven. If it's not just about that, what happens? What is this all about? We've heard the resurrection being about this so much. Track with me. Write this down if you're taking notes. It's so simple, but we're going to unpack this. The resurrection isn't mainly about us getting to heaven, but heaven getting to earth. You write that down for me? The resurrection isn't mainly about us getting to heaven, but heaven getting to 
earth. The resurrection is God's launching point for his new creation right here, right now, starting with the risen Jesus. Now that is a view worth subscribing to. That is a view worth holding. Okay, Chris, it's all about heaven getting earth. That's so cute. But where is that in the Bible? Because Jesus says one day we're going to rise and go to him in heaven. He never says that. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. What? Family, I, there's, there's never ever a verse where Jesus says, because I resurrected, you will go to heaven. And here's how we know this. You, if you have a Bible, turn to Revelation. Man, this is so beautiful. In order to understand this truth, in order to, to feel like, okay, Chris, you're not just pulling our leg and, and having a really cute statement about, it's not about going to heaven, but heaven coming to earth, then, then give us some substance. What is this about? Give us some proof. Where does this come from? This all makes sense when you fast forward to the end of this story and realize what God has been doing all along. This all makes sense when you fast forward to the end of the story. The book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. I hope you have your Bibles or your phones with you. I want you to read along with me so you think I'm not just making this up. In order to see the beauty of Jesus' resurrection and what he accomplished 2,000 years ago, we've got to fast forward to see what God has always been trying to accomplish. Verse 1, chapter 21. John, John is seeing a vision. He says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Whoa, interesting. Heaven's coming to us. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, catch this fam, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Catch this, so beautiful, the hope we have. He will one day wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Raise your hand if that brings you hope right now. Come on, come on. One day, that is our reality. No more death. No more tears, no more reasons to mourn, no more pain, no more tyranny of Satan. If that doesn't get you excited, you don't know Jesus. He's all about removing all this evil and getting you to a place where you can experience relationship with God without that. But you got to catch what John is saying. We read that and we jump to, one day I will resurrect and I'm going to go to heaven. John is saying, he gives us this picture that the new creation is all about God bringing heaven to earth. See, in the last phase of history, in this climactic event, we don't see a bunch of souls and bodies traveling up to heaven, but God's heaven coming down to us, his new creation. With this goal in mind, here's the goal of human history, of creation, that God would dwell with man. 
Do you hear that? That's the goal of everything that God has been doing since the Garden of Eden to Revelation 21. That God would dwell with man. Religions outside of Christianity have a proposition. This is how you can get to God. Jesus offers a fresh take. This is how the God of the universe wants to get to you. Big difference. This is God's desire and it's always been to dwell with his people where heaven and earth overlap. See, heaven is God's realm. We have this conception, this dualistic conception that heaven is like a thousand, a million miles up in the sky and earth is down here. No, no, heaven is close. It is God's realm where he abides, where he is king. There's a thin space between heaven and earth. And God's goal has always been to overlap the two. But how, how does that happen, Chris? Look at the Garden of Eden. Let's start there. The Garden of Eden is what God, with Adam and Eve, walking with them in relationship. Sin tore that apart. And that's why you see next the tabernacle coming. What's the tabernacle? A simple way to have a temporary setup where, again, God can be with man. You fast forward to the temple. Now this is a fixed setup where few people can get into God's presence and God can dwell with man. God has always been on pursuit to dwell with his people. God has always been desiring to make his presence come close to his creation. Sin has torn the two realms apart. And Jesus enters the scene. Look at me. Jesus enters the scene. And what is Jesus' name? Emmanuel. God with us. Do you know what that means? Jesus is the heaven and earth man. The tabernacle doesn't matter anymore. The temple doesn't matter anymore. You know why? Because in Jesus, heaven and earth are now interlocking as one. And when we interact with Jesus, we are interacting with God fully in his presence. And Jesus' life and mission, one purpose he had, to bring together heaven and earth as God's functional kingdom where he rules and reigns as king. That is Jesus' heart. It wasn't just to save you so that you can wait around and one day get to heaven. It was all about you being a part of this restoration work of bringing heaven to earth. And that is something to be excited about. You're not sitting on your hands waiting for glory one day. Glory is now. Eternity starts now, not when you resurrect. Do you see that view of the resurrection. So, how did Jesus do this then? What did Jesus do to make this happen? Three, three ways we're going to unpack this, and then we're going to go into kind of how we respond to this. Three ways. I want you to look at Jesus' life and see, leading up to his resurrection, well, end the resurrection, seeing how Jesus was all about heaven and earth interlocking and overlapping so that man can dwell with God and God can dwell with man. We're going to see it in Jesus' preaching, see it in Jesus' praying, and then see it in Jesus' power. You guys still with me? Okay. Jesus is preaching, Jesus is praying, and Jesus' power. Jesus is preaching. If you had to take a guess on what Jesus preached on the most, what would you say? 
It's rhetorical, but you can answer if you feel bold. What would you say if you had to take a guess that this is what Jesus talked about the most? Love. Okay, Pastor Nee, bring it. Jesus' main message from the first thing he said in chapter 4 of Matthew, his first words, to the last thing he said after he resurrected and spent 40 days with the disciples was the kingdom of God. In other words, the kingdom of heaven. This is what Jesus says. Matthew 4, 17. Jesus began to preach his first sermon. What was it? Repent, rethink things, turn around. Why? For God's kingdom is at hand. Jesus steps onto the scene and says, wake up. God's kingdom has arrived in me. God's presence has arrived in a fresh way in me. He wasn't just saying, I'm here now and I'm going to die for your sins. And so you can go, no, no, I'm bringing the Lord to you. I'm bringing his presence to you. God's kingdom is mentioned over 50 times in Matthew. It's what Jesus kept saying over and over again. And I'm so excited for you guys because Pastor Spencer is going to kick off an amazing series. What, about 30-week series on the kingdom of God. He's going to preach all 30 weeks. Come on, somebody. What endurance. What a, what a person. All about God's kingdom. See, Jesus was saying this. Catch this. Jesus was saying no longer was God's space and presence limited to the temple and the few people. When Jesus stepped on the scene, God's presence was limited to a small space called the Holy of Holies where a certain limited number of people could enter in. In other words, other people, the rest of Israel, could not encounter God. And when Jesus comes onto the scene, he says, I'm flipping that up. I am opening up a door for God's presence to be open for everyone. Jesus was announcing the arrival of God's domain opening up to everyone. Not just people who did certain things, who had certain titles. Not even to the Israelites, but the Gentiles. To everyone. It was a sign of heaven breaking into earth in a fresh way. This is Jesus' work. This helped expand your view of Jesus. He did not come to be a moral teacher. He came to bear the kingdom of God to be present in this life now. Does he care about your moral living? Yes, but you know why obedience matters? Because the kingdom of God matters. Jesus' preaching was all about bringing heaven to come bear on earth. Number two, Jesus is praying. Oh man, so beautiful. We see this theme continue with Jesus as he teaches us how to pray. I don't know if you ever caught this, but the Lord's prayer isn't about you getting to heaven. Did you see what Jesus taught us how to pray? Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come, he says to pray. Do you ever see this? Come on, come on. Your kingdom come, your will be done on what? On earth as it is in heaven. The only place Jesus teaches us how to pray, he says, pray like this. Pray your kingdom come to be real on earth. Pray that what heaven looks like is what earth starts to look like. That is Jesus' prayer. That is Jesus' work. That is Jesus' ministry. He didn't say to pray, God, take us from this earth and bring us to heaven. But some of you live like that. Oh, Chris, I don't pray that. You don't pray that, but you live like that. You are waiting around on the benches, waiting for God to take you to heaven, and that is not your role on earth. That is not your role on earth. To come to a couple of Sunday services is not fulfilling God's purpose on your life. 
I don't care if you're part of a small group. Whoop-de-whoop. You have a purpose that is bigger than attendance in church. You are the church, and we're going to get to this, but if Jesus is the heaven and earth man, you and I have become the heaven and earth people, where we now bring heaven to come bear on earth in our lives. If Jesus tells us to pray your kingdom come, he definitely wants us to live his kingdom to come. He doesn't want us to pray something we're not living. He wants us to pray so that God would, through his power, make that prayer come through our lives. Did you know that most of the time when we pray, the answer through prayer doesn't come through the sky, but through his people? Provision, God doesn't drop a, a car out of the sky. He, he, he takes care of you through his people. Love, God is this, I mean, sometimes he can drop a presence and a feeling of love, but sometimes you feel God's love through his people. Encouragement, direction, all the things you're praying for, God is orchestrating to come through through his spirit and his people. So Jesus says, pray that earth starts to look and feel more like heaven. And this reveals to us God's will. To bring more of this earth under Jesus' good and gracious rule and reign. More and more of this earth under Jesus' good rule and reign. Jesus preached about the kingdom coming. Jesus prayed about the kingdom coming and taught us to pray that way. And lastly, Jesus' power. How did this work out in the resurrection? This is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. We're talking about the resurrection. Chris, how did the resurrection allow for heaven to invade earth? If it's not about us getting to heaven, how is this happening? This is going to blow your mind. John 20. Turn to John 20 with me. It is second to last chapter in the Bible. And this is where Jesus resurrects. So John 20, beginning of John 20, it is the narrative of Jesus rising. Now, I don't know if you ever caught this, but Jesus does something the day he resurrects. That's very interesting. Lean in with me. Jesus does something the day he resurrects, the night he resurrects. He resurrected that morning, and he does something that same day. And what he does has cosmic implications for our life. Oh, Chris, you're just exaggerating. No, no, read it with me. John 20. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Oh, I love preaching the Bible. John 20. Jesus said to them again. This is the day that Jesus resurrects. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Catch this. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Whoa! Come on, wake up. This is Jesus resurrecting from the grave. And one of the first things he says to his disciples is, I am sending you just like the Father has sent me. Whoa, whoa, I thought Jesus would come into the room and say, hey, guys, this is awesome. I resurrected. And so you're going to resurrect. And so just take it easy until I come back. Sit around until heaven comes. Don't care, don't, 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 don't work too hard. Wait till I make all things new. No, Jesus resurrects, and what does he say? Get to work. You have a mission. You are sent. 
You have a role. You have meaning. Your life matters right now. You have purpose. The cosmic proportions. Jesus isn't saying sit around. He's saying get to work. He had just defeated death. He disarmed the evil spiritual powers at rule. He dealt with sin. And he doesn't say, now focus on living a good moral life until you get to heaven. He says, I'm sending you on the same mission the Father sent me. What was that? To break heaven into earth. To establish God's rule and reign. And what is he? How's that happen? The next verse. He breathes on them the Holy Spirit. Why? Because now Jesus says, I am fully God, fully man, the heaven and earth person. And now you are going to be the heaven and earth people as I go. Jesus says, it's better for me that I go so that the helper can come. Why was it good that Jesus went? Because when Jesus ascended, he sent God's spirit into your life so you can be the heaven and earth people. Oh, but Chris, I don't feel like heaven and earth people. I know, but you are heaven and earth people. You are heaven and earth people. I don't care what you feel. That is the reality. You know why you don't feel it? Because you're at a war. You are in a cosmic battle. There is sin and Satan still at war with you. Something is at stake. So great, your salvation is secure. What about the world? So great, heaven is up there. What about helping people experience heaven down here? That's going to happen because God fills you with his presence. So you start looking more like heaven, talking more like heaven, smelling more like heaven. Come on, somebody. Y'all need to smell more like heaven. So when people get around you, they say, that tastes like heaven. When people get around your life, do they say that looks a lot like earth? Or do they say that looks a lot like heaven? I have a feeling that when people get around me sometimes, I'm in the flesh, they see more of earth than heaven. And I don't want that. The world has enough of an example of what earth looks like. They need an example of what heaven looks like. And that is tied precisely to the resurrection of Jesus. Now catch this. If that didn't blow your mind. Jesus is launching God's new creation. What does that mean? Why do you keep saying new creation? Here's why I say that. Because God created the world in Genesis. Right or right? He created the world. Seven days, six days he created it. He rested on the seventh day. And do you notice what happened? Genesis 2. God creates Adam and Eve, and he breathes his spirit, his breath, his life into Adam and Eve's nostrils, and then gives them the mandate to go and be fruitful and multiply and take care of this earth. And what Jesus does, uh, does on the first day of the week, John says, this is the first day of the week, he's telling us this is God's new creation. The first day of the week, Jesus rises from the grave, defeats death, breathes his spirit into his people, and gives us another Genesis-like mandate. Except it's not just take care of this earth, it's now bring heaven to it. And he fills us with his spirit. God is showing us that in the resurrection, Jesus is inaugurating and launching God's renewal of this world. So much bigger than just getting us to heaven. He says, I am sending you to announce this good news of God's kingdom to all people. Some of us need to re-communicate the gospel message. Some of us, we don't share the gospel because it's not compelling to us. 
We're never going to share the gospel if we're not compelled by the gospel that we believe in. And I think some reason why we don't share it is because we just think this story is so limited to Jesus came and he died so we don't have to go to hell and we're going to go to heaven. And that is so true. That is very true. We are saved from hell. God's active wrath for eternity. That is part of the story you need to share. But that's not the whole story. We're not just saved from something. We're saved for something. And if you just end it on that, it's not compelling and it's not biblical. We want to share not only the cross that Jesus saves us from sin, death, Satan, and hell, and wrath, but the resurrection that Jesus saves us for something. And some of your neighbors and family and friends are just waiting around to be invited into this kind of story where God is remaking this world and they can be a part of it. And you know what? The Bible says it starts with us because the Bible says we are new creations. So God remakes us and then sends us out to be looking like a new creation. The disciples saw the resurrection not just as a way out from death, but a doorway to new life. So here's the summary. The resurrection of Jesus is more than a personal guarantee that you will have life after death in the future. It is a trumpet blast to the world right now that God's long-awaited and promised work of restoring his sin-torn creation has been inaugurated in Jesus. And his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension has begun in real ways the expansion of God's real kingdom where one day, catch this, all that is broken and sad will come untrue. And this is a work that Jesus calls you and I to partner with him in. Is that compelling? Is that a bigger vision of the resurrection of Jesus? Does that infuse meaning into your life right now instead of waiting around for something better to happen later? Will we defeat death and rise again? Yes, yes, and yes. But Jesus says the resurrection life, the abundant life starts now, not just later. You won't experience all the justice you want to see. You won't see all the beauty, all the truth, all the healing. You won't. But you're going to see some of it. And you know why? Because it's going to start with you living in this world as a heaven and earth person. So here's the final question. Okay, Chris. I see it. I see it. Hopefully, hopefully you see it. This is just a tip of the iceberg of breaking down that the resurrection is so much more beautiful than what we think it is but the question I hope you're asking is how should I live in light of this new reality? New to us, maybe, not new to Jesus. What should I do then? Is this just good theology? You're just giving me a good class on the resurrection and what it really does? No, no, no. All good theology leads to good practice. So, Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, the same chapter that is all that talks about your faith being futile. Jesus didn't rise. That was the beginning of the chapter. I want to show you how Jesus, how Paul says to respond in light of Jesus' resurrection. I struggled, to be honest. I struggled with this part a lot last night. I was praying through it, wrestling through it. Um, I think, honestly, I was trying to be really creative. And, and uh, in the Bible... God was just like, stop, stop talking and read the Bible and tell them what I say. So I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. You're not going to hear from me. 
1 Corinthians 15, 58. This whole chapter, the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 is all about, 100% about Paul talking about the resurrection. The whole chapter is. So, this is a great example for us. Paul talks about the resurrection, the whole chapter, and then he ends with this verse. What does he say in light of all this good theology about the resurrection? He says this. Catch this. This is a word for all of us. Therefore, say that with me. Therefore. Therefore means in light of everything I just said in the last chapter and the last 14 chapters, but specifically about the resurrection. Therefore, in light of all of that, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. Come on, who needs to hear that today? Your labor is not in vain in vain. You know why I love this? Because the resurrection doesn't take meaning away from this life. It infuses meaning into this life. When Paul thinks about the resurrection, he doesn't say, Jesus rose, now just wait around. He says, keep working. Go to work. Don't let anyone deter you. Be immovable. Be steadfast. Be faithful. And know, Christian, that what you do in Christ is not in vain. See, it's so easy, Christian, it's so easy to think that if you're just waiting around till heaven comes, that what you do now really doesn't matter. But look at me. You are not planting a rose garden that is one day going to be burned up. You're not restoring a painting that one day the owner decides just to throw away. What you do now matters for the new creation. It doesn't ma- it's not like a game. God's not playing a game here saying, just do your best, but I'm going to push the restart button and nothing you do here matters. No. Paul says that. Jesus says that. There is an emphasis on this life matters for eternity. It matters for eternity. So for those who have lost purpose, for those who have a vague understanding of what I am here for as a Christian, For those who are wandering and weary, Jesus calls you to the high work of partnering with God in breaking in his new creation. He calls you, listen, to be a taste of heaven in your personal sphere of earth. Jesus calls you. Think about it. I don't know what your sphere is. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, nine-to-five job, a student, in the transition, figuring things out, waiting around for something to happen. Your sphere of earth, what you're in and the people around you, Jesus says, I'm not calling you to change the whole world. Just bring a taste of heaven to that sphere. He calls you to a life that produces the fruits of the Spirit and is marked by the posture of the Beatitudes. Chris, how do I look like heaven? Church family, the Spirit of God is in you. You know what that means? He is constantly working to produce his fruit through you. We think there has to be some spiritual fireworks and and amazing miracles. No, you know what heaven looks like? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. You know what heaven looks like? Being mourning over your sin and being meek and humble and extending mercy to those who don't deserve it. That's what heaven looks like. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to do all these miracles. The miracle is that God's Spirit has filled you and is planning to work through you to bring a taste of heaven to earth. Look at me as we close. 
What you do in the Lord in this life matters. So don't hold back. What you are doing right now, church family, matters. I know it looks like it doesn't matter. I know it doesn't look spiritual. I know it doesn't look like that person that has all this Instagram likes and all this influence and all these cool testimony stories. But put your head down, trust the Lord, walk by the Spirit, and do not waver because what you do now is not in vain. It is not in vain. Let me leave you with this exhortation and summary of your call. The future of God's new creation is experienced in the present through the lives of God's new people. Did you catch that? The future of God's new creation, when one day he will wipe away every tear and take away all the mourning and all the death, is experienced in the present day through the lives of God's new people. Listen, every act of mercy, every enemy loved, every sin forgiven, every need met, Every wound healed, every child nurtured, every prayer whispered, every injustice made right, all of it is a foretaste of and window into what God's good future will look like as heaven and earth finally and fully become one and he rules as king over all. Your small acts of obedience are an opportunity for people to taste and see heaven today. So here's the takeaway. The sermon in a sentence. Jesus' resurrection is not an evacuation from earth, but an invasion from heaven. Come on, somebody. Jesus' resurrection is not an evacuation from earth, but an invasion from heaven. I needed that today. I don't know if you needed it. Raise your hand if you needed that word today, that you matter because the Spirit of God is in you. And I hope more than just thinking I have purpose now, first and foremost, I hope, church family, that that stirs up your worship of Jesus, of what happened this Sunday morning. That when he came out the grave, it wasn't just to get you some eternal life later. Yes, that is so glorious and true. And if that were it, that would be worthy of worship for eternity. But there was so much more because God's vision is bringing eternity into the present right now. He's inviting you to partner with him. Can you do that this year, this week, tomorrow? Partner with the king in restoring this world, every small act of obedience. Would you stand with me? I want to worship and praise the Lord. I want to pray to the Father. We need a spiritual renewal in our hearts to understand this and a spiritual awakening to live this out. So what I fear is this is a good Easter message, but then Monday it is forgotten. And you need to yourself stir up your, excuse me, affections and your thinking to go back to this truth. That your labor in the Lord is not in vain. If you have it available, would you stretch out your hands or open your hands as a posture of humility and meekness. Father, we, we come before you. So filled, God. So filled that we would be able to even understand these truths. You don't leave us in the dark, God. You, you share your revelation with us. You give us insight into what you're doing. Oh, so glorious of a truth. 
that you didn't just resurrect to get us to heaven, but your victory over death and the satanic powers of this world who's corrupting everything, you defeated that to usher in a new creation where restoration starts now and will climax in the future. And we get to be a part of that. God, thank you for inviting us. Psalm 8 says, what is man that you are mindful of us? God, you care about us so much that you would ask sinful saints to work in your process of bringing heaven to earth. We praise you, Lord, for that. And I pray for these people, Lord, every person who hears this message, whether today or later, by your spirit, not my words, would you fill them with fresh power and intention that they would realize that what they are doing in the Lord is not in vain. Help them, God, to see the eternal meaning of their earthly life. Help them to see that the small acts of love help people taste heaven on earth. And help them to see, God, that as we work together as the church, heaven spreads more and more into this city and this nation and this world. You say that you want to change the world not by politics and power, but by a new set of people gathered around your spirit. Meek, humble, patient, joyful. So, God, would you do that? Will we look back on our lives and say that you used us as you filled us that what we did was not in vain because you resurrected and you give us resurrection life now. God, we praise you. We lift our eyes to you, God. You are worthy of our praise. And we thank you, Jesus, for your spirit and your truth this Resurrection Sunday. All God's people said, amen, amen.